Revolution. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try. Hello and, and try. welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp, and I'm Giles Edwards, co-founder and MD. Today, I've caught Thomas Colster, a marketing activist hell-bent on making businesses put people and the planet first, Thomas is a branding and sustainability professional who's racked up more than 18 years experience advising Fortune 500 companies, small startups, governments, agencies and non-profits. He's the founder of the global goodvertising movement that's inspired a shift in advertising for the better and is also the author of two books, Goodvertising and The Hero Trap, as well as a globally recognised keynote speaker and columnist for The Guardian, Adweek and The Drum. Thomas says, Today I've lost my belief in putting organisations or leaders on that purpose pedestal rallying for change. If you try to fly like Superman, you'll fall like a can of soup. If we are to create change, we have to put people first. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Thanks so much, Giles. It's a, it's a pleasure joining you. Right, here's our seven quick fire questions, Thomas. Tea or coffee? Is that even uh, a question? Obviously, coffee. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't survive. You can't survive in the advertising industry without coffee. I think it's only because you're calling in from from the UK. Who drinks tea outside the UK? I, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> uh, Copenhagen or Venice? Uh, oh, that I've actually been to both within the last two weeks. Uh, you know, Venice too touristy. I'd go for Copenhagen Enzyme. Right next, Vigo Mortensen or Mads Mikkelsen? For sure, Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> start with why or start with who? Uh, you know, now now I'm going to pluck my own thing, so I'll I'll have to say who. But in my defense, I started believing in the why, uh, launched by Simon. But, but you know, who, definitely. We've got three more. Number five, dinosaurs or dynamism? You know, there's something about dinosaurs that I kind of like, you know. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but not, not the types that, that uh, you know, are stuck in an office and, and won't, won't let go of their, their old ways of doing things. But, you know, the prehistoric creatures, they were pretty cool and fearsome. So uh, in that sense, definitely dinosaurs. Okay, in that context, dinosaurs, good choice. Uh, number six, Lego or Carlsberg? Lego or Carlsberg. This is this is not an either or. I think this is as I grown up, I'd probably choose both at the same time because it makes playing with Lego much more fun. <laughs> okay. And fi- finally, purpose or people? Always people. Um, you know, yeah. It, purpose doesn't make sense if it if it doesn't uh, you know resonate if it doesn't come from people if, if it doesn't come from regular people's lives it doesn't make any sense in my mind 
Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll likely dig into that shortly, actually. But, but but thank you for joining us, Thomas. Really, a pleasure to, pleasure to talk. You know what? I'm I'm just waiting for the digging into the Lego bricks in the Carlsberg. That actually sounds like a fun 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 thing to do on a Wednesday. Yeah, we should say play and drink responsibly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, to kick things off, then, so we, one call to action is you know we like to celebrate the routes that that people take to to, to in their career, especially in the early stages. So as an author, speaker, and marketer these days, before becoming all of that, what was your first ever job? And then what was what you regard to be your first proper job? <laughs> you know, um, I started washing dishes at a, at a, local, at a local restaurant uh, and, and working, working my way up to being, you know, in the kitchen and, and ending up in the, at the floor as a waiter. So... That that actually taught me quite a bit about um, hospitality. That I think is um, is worthwhile lessons that I that I appreciate today. Uh, my first sort of grown up job, ah, you know, it it probably kind of sounds ridiculous because I worked I worked in hospitality for quite a few years, and then I made the pivot into advertising. And I so I probably would say that my first grown up job would in fact be as a copywriter at an ad agency. Nice. And and how did you find the uh, copywriting world? Like, what led you there? Was it was it a very intentional decision? Because lots of people obviously go to college or university or the equivalent in their country, and perhaps you know lack the experience to make a an informed choice. So, what led you into advertising? So, see, that's the that's the thing that's wrong with advertising today. Is in fact that people believe that if they go to school, advertising school, Miami ad schools, or things like that they can learn how to do advertising. And that's uh, unfortunately been common practice today. And it's, I think it's um, bad for the industry. I think my, my way in was, was love <laughs> in the sense that I was, I was so tired of going to university and I was dating a girl at the time and, and she could feel my frustrations. She knew that I loved writing and her mom was in fact a copywriter in that agency. So, so she said to me, why don't you try, you know, become an, a copywriter in the ad agency? And I, I knew nothing about it. I, in fact, probably already back then sort of hated advertising, in fact. And, 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 and I remember she gave me this book. I'm sure you read it as well, Giles, but, uh, and, and, and the listeners as well, but, but uh, Ogilvy and Advertising. And, and the thing that got me lured in was there's one picture in the book and and he's kind of bragging about his little kind of mansion slash castle and i remember it said like yeah and if you're in doubt that's my helicopter as well and and so uh, <laughs> at an early age i thought you know i can write and eventually get a cast on a helicopter that sounds like a career path for me <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a, so it was love that got you into it and then a helicopter that kind of that hooked you love and money right love and money <laughs> two pesky things funnily enough we had our, pre our previous episode was with the, the great Drayton Bird um, who famously of Ogilvy and he, he he told a story where he was giving a talk to um, a huge quantity of people the majority of whom were currently working at Ogilvy and he asked for a show of hands for those who had read Ogilvy on advertising and a, you know a distinct few put their hands up uh, which he said was you know rather like joining the, joining the church but having never read the bible shocker in fact because you know it's it's 
I, I honestly, I think I think he's still worth quoting uh, to this day. Uh, good old David. I think he he has a lot of good good things that we can learn from in our industry. And then I understand you went from that copywriting role to uh, creative director, and ultimately to agency owner. What did, what did that path look like? I think what what tends to happen is that uh, you know I got sacked, uh, which is a good thing. You know, I think you uh, again. I think if you if you want to survive, and if you want to not if you want to survive, then you could be the dinosaur and you could be the boring one. But if you want to be good in what you do, you need to be uh, putting your neck out there. And so I, I got sacked, uh, and and suddenly seeing myself not knowing what to do, and then suddenly uh, a former client at the former agency uh, reached out, and then suddenly I had my first client and. An agency and and that's kind of how that started i figure like probably seven years into my career then i had my next little pivot because i think you know as i said interactive wise i wasn't really you know super keen on doing advertising i kind of felt that it wasn't really that value aligned because i felt why am i you know selling cheeseburgers to people already way too fat and <laughs> plucking cars in a city like Copenhagen that's already way too congested it didn't really make much sense in my mind and and but but my, my pivot there was in fact we were hosting the climate summit in Copenhagen and we had uh, you know all the big elected government leaders there you know Tony Blair was there Obama you know Angela Merkel obviously she was still around back back then you know and still is uh <laughs> as long as it still lasts but but anyway they were there and not, nothing really came out of it and 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 so i was super frustrated uh, about them not responding to you know the climate emergency and and so i thought what if what i know about brands and what if some of the world's biggest brands could in fact use their power and reach to do something positive and that's when sort of i wrote my my first book at an age of 30 you know called good advertising it was really a book about my frustration about the world of advertising back then but also really sort of like a not a vision but more like hey wait a moment what what if advertising could be this instead well i must also say without um intentionally plugging previous call to action guests but we had the great steve harrison on a few weeks ago on the show um and i'm a huge fan and, and friend of steve's and it, I, it's worth saying that despite steve's stance on uh, how people understand and perhaps practice purpose from a brand purpose perspective he has referenced good advertising in his book can't sell won't sell as a seminal piece so i think that's that's quite applauded in my book God damn it. And I actually didn't know that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely have to, uh, I definitely have to, uh, to give him a heads up. So, so uh, yeah, no, no, that, that, that actually uh, uh, means a lot to me because I think the one, the one thing, the, the one reason I keep doing what I'm doing is in fact to hopefully inspire others, uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, well, in, in fact, if you weren't aware of that, he's actually written, um, he's relaunched his book, Can't Sell, Won't Sell, uh, in recent weeks. And in the new chapter, he actually, again, points people towards good advertising. And I've read the book, and I think it's the only, it's the only real reference he makes uh, positively about the evidence that, um, 
you know, purpose can be commercially very effective. Um, so it's it's both a plaudit and also an important caveat that he references a couple of times. So I think that's, that's certainly worth noting for our listeners. Yeah, you know, it's it's always it's always crazy to look back at those early days because put yourself in my feet. You know, I, I was I, I was young, I was frustrated, uh, and I sort of used a book as my because you know it's it's really not that original if you think about it. I'm a copywriter, I write a book, uh, <laughs> so so I I I was just I think I was just enough frustrated to write the book at at that time um, before. Before purpose and before this whole thing really became the thing that it is today in our industry. Yeah, and, and without, um, I've actually just written the word frustration next to the word love as, as, as the two kind of key, uh, uh, what are the words, drivers, I suppose, one that got you into advertising and one that led to you writing the book about it. But Goodvertising was um, released in 2012. Now, I don't mean to necessarily fast forward eight years without talking in a bit more detail, but the opening line of the introduction of your newer book the hero trap is i was wrong about purpose all these years i had been asking the wrong questions so can you tell us why 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 were you wrong about purpose and how were you wrong about purpose uh, you know what i mean the, the thing is yeah the book came out in 2012 but but you know obviously writing a book takes time and a lot of the research and stuff like that was was probably 2010 so for me it's, it always it it feels like a decade ago for me and and and, and a lot of the work and, and cases is really a decade ago i think the what has changed is in fact that you know back then back then there was very few cases of brands standing up for anything besides just plucking products in fact or and 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 so I remember we had with the research team, we had access to can we, you know, we had access to all these different archives at the time. And, and it was tough. It was tough to find examples of, 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 of purposeful brands. But what, what suddenly I realized three years ago. So my light bulb moment, obviously for, for the first book was the climate summit. And, and this time around it, it was, it was something different. It was, it was in fact my own, you know, inability to create the change that I wanted to see in my own life. You know, at a, at a trip to to Spain, I realized, damn it, it's it's actually really really difficult to create change. And I'm sh- I'm sure it's something you can recognize from your own life. And 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 so I started asking myself a completely different question because I noticed now with every brand kind of trying to embrace purpose and shouting from every rooftop, oh, we care about, you know, ocean plastics, we care about climate change and whatever nonsense they're putting out there. I thought, what leader or brand organization have in fact created positive change in my life? And the list was super short. And and, and so that was sort of what provoked me uh, to take a, take a new look at, at, at this uh, whole purpose field and, and say, maybe, maybe we need a new way forward because it does seem like the current approach makes people even more skeptical, the current approach. And we see, you know, missteps from brands all the time seems not to be working in the long term. Yeah. And, and there is a, um, I suppose, a misuse of sorts or, or claims of sorts about purpose, which it doesn't take, if you scratch the surface, you can see perhaps isn't really authentic or, or particularly true. I mean, the whole thing for me, I think the whole thing is about leadership. In fact, I think people, 
people get this notion wrong. I mean, that certainly, I mean, I think we haven't learned anything in branding over the years. In fact, I think we still built these megalomanic brands that are super self-indulgent and super self-important. And, and that just becomes worse when you enter the space of doing good. <laughs> because, I mean, if a brand pits itself as a hero, I mean, heroes are extraordinary. Mandela, Mother Teresa, and Jesus, they're extraordinary human beings, whatever your beliefs are anyways, but because they're exceptional. And, and I think that's, that's, the, that's the worst thing is, in fact, that you build these brands that all claim to be exceptional and play a pivotal world-saving role in our lives. And I think that's BS. People are simply just not buying it. I think this, you know, navel-gazing way of looking at your own leadership with, you know, the, the question that, you know, especially Simon Sinek is, is famous for, you know, the, the start with why, becomes actually quite a self-glorifying exercise. You know, what are, what are my values? You know, what do I believe in? You know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the centerpiece of change. Whereas what I wanted to, and, and what I witnessed was, and what I believe in is in fact that the best leaders in my life have been the leaders that made me grow, that made me experience new sides of myself, that make me, um, you know, take new choices. And, and so basically, by asking a fundamentally different leadership question, who can you help people become? I, I do think that we, um, we can shape a new, exciting, uh, and in fact, more purposeful leadership. Uh, in, in the book, I, you know, I, I call it, um, not a purpose, but a transformative promise, because it's almost like purpose is a word that's too 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 good for its own good. Yeah, and as a collective, it's very hard. The, the, I, I had the pleasure of guesting on Mediacom's Connected podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the hosts, who is a good friend and very talented, very smart guy, Andrew Spurrier Dawes, he knew that I had a problem with Simon Sinek. Start with why, and he was he was trying to prod, <laughs> he was prodding me for a for, for a reaction. And I think I think the point I made, I hope I did anyway, is that I have no issue with it individually, but I think as a collective, to use your words, it can be quite a self glorifying exercise, and therefore not necessarily true. What I wish I had said in hindsight, having read the Hero Trap, is they need to start with who. Uh, but of course, you've just explained that stance, and it makes a lot more sense. No, but I think I think the thing is as well. I mean, if if you look, you know, I I, I sometimes like to just pick out Patagonia because everybody is always talking, uh, you know, so nicely about the brand. But but if you really and maybe it's just me being a copywriter, so I take words literally, right? So, you know, if they say we're in the business to save our home planet, that's that's basically their purpose, right? What what self glorifying nonsense is that? Honestly, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you 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 make t shirts for people who live in a one bedroom apartment in London and wish they were more connected to nature. That's what you do, and 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 kind of taking on this world planetary saving role. It's just too much, you know. It's too much. In some in some aspects, yes, Patagonia can get away with it. They're one of those sort of weird outlier brands that you know can break the regular brand rule book 
but when you suddenly have you know companies like unilever and and others kind of trying to copy paste that you know recipe it just becomes wrong we certainly have all these kind of super self-important world-saving brands and on the other side we have people like my niece clara she's 15 you know she grew up in a fundamentally different world than my parents i mean my parents you know middle class uh, you know, they looked at at companies and brands as the ones that you know sort of delivered prosperity and gave you know cars and uh, and Tupperware to the middle class. You know, they got a lot of new stuff. That's great, but 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 in Clara's world, you know, she looks at these brands as the one to blame for cutting down the rainforest, for social injustice, all this stuff, and she just look at these companies like. What the heck are you talking about? Saving the world? What? What, <laughs> what a load of BS, right? And and I get it because my thing again that goes back to the question, you know, who's really creating change? And 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 then everybody says, you know, oh, it can be about story doing. It's about actions. You know, hell no. The the proof point for me with who can help people become is the transformation you create in people's lives. And and I I like to. I like to bring it back to relationships, you know, uh, and you, you're actually catching me on, on the wrong day because my, my, my girlfriend, and I just uh, split up yesterday. So, but, but <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that does, that does happen. So it's fun for me to talk about relationships today, but you know, there's only, there's only so much you can say in trying to save a relationship, you know, sorry, honey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this differently. Yeah. I know I should put the toilet seat down, you know, you know, at, at, at one point it comes to actions. So then you're going to prove that, yeah, I do remember putting those toilet seats down or, you know, you buy roses or whatever. But at the end of the day, the real proof point is how you make her feel, who you help her become. Do I truly make her feel more loved, more appreciated? Do I actually make her grow? If not, I'm failing. And it, the same goes with brands. I find I found that really reassuring when you talked about Clara and her um, ability to question brands that have that have led that, have, that are responsible for doing bad things, which you know, however we can kind of loosely define it. And there's a lovely there's a there's a couple of references in, in your book as well, which actually makes that exact point that young younger people today do have this wonderful inherent bullshit filter that is much harder to get past. You know, I love it. I love it. I mean, honestly, because what what are companies doing? Yeah, they're doing a little bit less bad. <laughs> less bad doesn't equal good. That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're not a you're not a you're not a saint. I mean, the Bible the Bible. No, honestly, the Bible was written for a reason because it portrays the extraordinary, fictional or non-fictional, whatever you believe in. That's not my business. But journey of one guy who does extraordinary things. I mean, honestly, you know, Unilever Patagonia. Do you think you're doing exceptional things? Hell no, you're not. So, and and I'm 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 partly to blame, you know, because I I you know in in my first book, but obviously it's been an evolution. It made sense back then because you could differentiate your brand easily by being the Ben and Jerry's and and the Doves of of this world. But obviously today, when when there's so many around who who puts on the hero cape, you, you're running into the hero trap. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, it's a really good way of defining 
any issue that I think historically I've had with 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 brand purpose or how brand purpose is is used as a you know kind of smoke and mirrors exercise where it's this kind of pseudo purpose that that, that brands have. But I but I personally I struggle to understand where the line is between that and commercial purpose. And I wonder where you sit. So in um, just to go back without meaning to bang on about Steve Harrison, but he makes a great point in his book about commercial purpose and how that takes a precedence. And he says it's important that we remind ourselves that every time someone buys something we've advertised, whether that's a car or a burger or whatever it might be, to use the references you made earlier, we enable someone else to get paid and not just the person in the shop where it was purchased, that sale pays the wages of the person who made the thing or grew it, the person who packaged it, the person in the warehouse where it was stored, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there is, there is almost an existing commercial purpose that does do good. And I think the lines can be so easily blurred and difficult to see between that commercial reality and the brand purpose, as people might understand it today. I, I completely agree. And I think I think it's because, unfortunately, most brands today look at purpose as some higher value crusade. And I mean, I mean, some of the some of the purposes, I mean, are things like, you know, do good for people and planet or something, you know, how you're going to how you're going to how you're going to navigate after that. What's you know, what's the you know, compass derived from that. But I think my my think is, in fact, that I think where where brands and businesses fail is in fact, if they don't play a meaningful role in people's lives, uh, that's where they fail. That's where purpose don't necessarily can rescue them. So I think as soon as you you begin your leadership and your mission as a company with who you can help people become, you automatically put value at the center of what you do. And when you do that, obviously it does have commercial value. I mean, if you take uh, Discovery, the health insurance company, their purpose, or I call transformative promises, incentivizing people to live healthier. When they deliver on that on a day-to-day basis, people do become healthier. When people do become healthier, they pay less in premium and they have a more profitable business. And it's, it's more, you know, it's a more, it's not a transactional relationship anymore. It's, it's, you know, there's this, it's this sort of weird, you know, interrelationship where interdependence and, and even people within discovery can relate to this. Right. So I think that's the, that's the, that's the pivot that needs to happen. And that's the, the, the realization I had, you know, interviewing, you know, leaders in, in big organizations, uh, small organizations and startups. And that's what made me um, super excited uh, about this possibility to change leadership from within. Yeah, with that discovery example, it sounds like there's a real alignment there. It does. But but even, I mean, I spoke to uh, uh, one of the smaller brands. I spoke to two guys, Tom and Max, uh, in, the, in, in the late 20s. And, and they they created a company basically selling running glasses. I think they came from the fashion business and they looked at running glasses and they were like, what the hell? You know, it looks like something out of, uh, you know, what Schwarzenegger is wearing a Terminator, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, 
sure they sure they were festival at the time but it's like they're just stuck in that like dinosaur time pocket we, we, we use the dinosaur in here but but anyway so they wanted to make them more fashionable but but those two guys had a lot of insight because they've been on a journey themselves where they they loved running but they started practicing yoga along with uh with running and 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 so in the launch district question it was really about a community of people who believed in mindful running and and by 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 doing that they're suddenly selling a transformation that's bigger than the running glasses but in essence the running glasses are the tools and 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 and, and those are sort of the examples that i was inspired by and where i felt that as soon as you figure out the meaningful role they want to play in people's lives, you know, you, you, you certainly have a potentially thriving business because when you help people grow, they'll automatically grow your business. It's, it, that's a really good example, those two guys who you just referenced. And you make the other uh, reference to a guy, I don't want to butcher his name, but I believe he's called Dave Hackens. If I pronounce his surname, exactly. he's, he's, now, I, mean, I think he's now at Alphabet, isn't he? He's now part of Google, but he started again with a very set um, idea and mission. You talk in the book about me as the new mass, and and you make the point that it's not even David with a sling anymore; it's many Davids with many slings. So it is. It is. It's great to hear these stories of these small uh, founder-run businesses that have this opportunity to to take on the world, if you like. I mean, Dave is is I I, I met I met Dave uh, I I hosted him in Copenhagen some years ago and and I mean he was young guy uh, Dutch guy just more or less out of school right and he has this fantastic notion of leadership because he doesn't really see himself as a leader per se he's he's just one of the community he's he's part of the community right he's 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 there to to lead from behind, in fact. I mean, he enables other people to grow and, and he's done that with, with both his businesses. The, fo- the first one was called Phone Blocks, an amazing idea, which was about why, why do we have these phones that are obsolete from the very beginning? I mean, if I break my, my iPhone screen, it's super costly, at least I can change that. But if something else breaks down, I can't. So really created a modular phone, pretty much like a Lego brick. And the whole idea was around community. It was around the ones who are best at building a camera from the phone can do that. And his second venture that he launched a couple of years ago is called Precious Plastics. And it's basically these do-it-yourself machines that you can feed with PET plastic bottles that you can collect. And it, it uh, creates these granulates that you then can make lots of exciting things out of. And, and he's, he's helped that grow across the world. Uh, by again having this super uh, grassroots enabling empowering way of looking at what needs to happen and I think this is where marketing gets stuck because marketing and most marketeers still believe they're in control and it and and and, and quite frankly it becomes a little bit embarrassing you know it's it's like your mom and dad not wanting you to grow up when you're like a teenager and you're like 15, 16 and they keep hucking you and, and they, and, and, and they want to decide everything, you know, it's like mom and dad, I know how this is done. You know, I, 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 I can do this. And, and, you know, even, 
even today, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed by most most brands, the way they run Instagram. I'm embarrassed by most brands today that insist on their way. I mean, why the heck do the hotel, when I'm checking in, why do they need to decide X, Y, Z? Why can't it be up to me how I want my service to be? You know, it needs to be on my terms. And, and most brands still grapple with that. They can't get their heads around it that it's a new generation, they're used to designing everything with the click of a button. And and they still go there. They still go this old mom and mom and pops way, you know, <laughs> you're so right. There's there's so many, I think some industries are probably much worse than others are, are kind of adapting. But I had, uh, again, uh, a great chat with a good friend of mine, Colin Lewis, who's a brilliant marketer, probably a couple of years ago now. And he gave the example of he was he was looking to change switch banks. And he went into a, I can't remember who it was, but it's probably irrelevant. It's, you know, historically quite a big bank in the UK. Um, now, Colin doesn't like filling out forms. So he said when he got to the uh, front of the cashier, he said, look, I want to open a bank account with you, but I don't want to fill out any forms. And the lady said, well, that's just impossible. He said, well, no, it's not. And she was adamant he had to fill out a form. So he just walked away and he, and he found a bank that would let him set up an account without having to fill out a form. And it was just, is it, 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 your story just reminded me of Colin. And it's just such a breath of fresh air to know that he found a bank that he could just open, you know, easily open an account. But you're right, it, it's everywhere. It's hotels, it's banks, it's airlines. Um, you're right. It needs to be on the customer's terms. It it does, and and there's a second thing in it that 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 goes, you know, much deeper. Uh, it is in fact that you know, for some reason, you know, economists and uh, have have kind of made us believe that what makes all of us tick is 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 things like money and status. And I know that I talked about obviously with David being pulled in there by the money, but there's something that runs much deeper. And that's obviously, you know, what we're passionate about doing and that, that essentially we want to call the shots. You know, if, if you think about it, when, when people are on death row, the last thing they get to decide, they get stole, they get taken away all liberties, can't decide anything, but their last little thing, before they leave this planet is to choose the meal. It really shows how important it is for human beings to call the shots. And there's nothing, there's nothing worse with leaders today that, that come there and like put a bunch of papers at your desk and like, you know, fill this out this way. And, you know, and, and essentially we know that. And yet marketeers through everything they do, do the opposite. They don't give us choice. They don't make us decide. And, 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 and so when we see, you know, engagement numbers dropping online, et cetera, it's because we, we don't, we don't open up for people's creativity and passions. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. And, and, and it, and I think it does show that some of the, you know, fast growing brands in this world get it. I mean, look at Avis, right? Avis, Avis is built around an old model where if I want to run an Avis car in Copenhagen, I need to get up on my bicycle, need to drive down to the Avis office. I have to wait in queue, probably have to fill out a form as Collins, and I don't want to fill that shit out either. Sorry about cursing. And, and then I have to wait for a guy to pick up the car, drive it to me. I get the car, I leave. 
when I'm finished renting a car, I have to go, you know, it's just so cumbersome, right? And now with, with, with uh, you know, things like Drive Now that was launched by BMW, I can pick up a car wherever I want. I use my phone, I open the car, I leave it wherever I want. It's on my term. And so, so I think, you know, there's so many disruptions that can be done. And, and even we did it just at the back of the pandemic in March, April, like everybody else, we are launching webinars. We put a price on them and, you know, with tons of discount codes and whatnot. But obviously that space got extremely clouded very fast or crowded very fast. So, you know, it was tough for us to, to get the same amount of people attending as we did in the beginning. And then I was like, wait a moment, we forgot to take our own medicine. Why don't we let people decide what they want to pay? Exactly. So on the website, we just said, if you want to pay zero, that's fine. Eventually we'll go bankrupt or at least won't be able to produce this content for you. If you want to pay 59, it's break even. If you want to pay, you know, and, and the fun thing was we've got more paying customers and the one who didn't pay, we ended up converting 15% to either the ne next webinar and paying for that or books or something else. So we need to, yeah, we need, we need to, we, we really need to understand that we need to put people's lives first and we, we, we really need to fundamentally change the way that we look at leadership and the way that we put that leadership to work in our organizations and the way that uh, we activate uh, our marketing efforts uh, pretty much across the board. Yeah, and I think um, the, you know, a central point that you've been talking on there is, is about choice and choice is so powerful. I and mean, there's two examples. I mean, one is I'm talking to you now from my agency GASP's new office, which is um, you know, a mixture of, of, of remote working and on-site for our, for our team, which was a choice that they were very much in control of. Another instance that um, this has reminded me of is when I was uh, interviewing Rory Sutherland a couple of years ago, we had, a, we had a listener question in from a parent. And because we'd been talking about psychology and behavioral nudges and heuristics, the question was centered around, well, how can I use that as a parent? And I've, I've tried this, by the way, as a dad of two young daughters. And Rory recommended people use placebo choice. So basically just a fake choice to, so that the other person feels like they are in control and he said if your children are say i don't know trying not to go to bed or refusing to go to bed you just give them a, a placebo choice so you say well you either go to bed and you can read a story with me or you can go to bed and you can have an audio book and i have i've tried this at least a dozen times and it has worked every single time because my daughters feel like they're in control and they choose both choices obviously have the outcome that i want which is them going to bed but there's an element of choice there which makes it much more attractive and um it's wonderful i highly recommend it i i love i i really do love that example and and, and, and you know what, I think there's so many examples around, in fact, in business, uh, you know, like build a beer, like in, in, uh, in, you know, even if you look at the business model behind Ikea, right? At the face of it, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, how, how Ikea operates today, because people have tons of money, or at least, you know, some people have a lot. We, on average, people have a lot of money in, in our part of the world, at least, right? So... But, but what people don't have is time. And so it's really crazy to have a business model where the things are, are, are sort of cheap, 
but they demand a lot of effort from you. And the only the only reason that could be explained is in fact that a guy like me can somehow try to live up to these old sort of masculine values around, you know, a guy kind of had to be able to put a wardrobe together, whatever else it is, you know. And and there's a bit of a challenge in that as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so, so in terms of like the future of, I mean, I suppose this, this kind of straddles everything, all business, it's not just marketing, but how do you view the future of marketing with everything we've said in mind? Do, do you think, you know, the big agency days are numbers? Do you think they need to adapt or die? Well, I think, I think there's so many, I mean, oh, it's, it's not an easy time uh, to work at advertising, but I, I'd say that's probably not an, a more exciting time either uh, to work at advertising. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think there's so many challenges. Uh, first of all, I think we we we're stuck on this sort of industrialized model that even though we pride ourselves on creativity, I think most uh, agencies are sort of just like a, a, a fancy looking uh, sausage factory. In the sense, no, but honestly, in the sense yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know, a client, a client arrives with a client arrives with a brief, and out comes the sausage. You know, uh, if you're lucky, it's purple, or it's like if you've been really, really inventive, it might be rainbow colored. Right? That's about <laughs> no, but that's about the level of creativity we put into brands today, and and it's such a shame because I think still what we as an industry deliver is one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, it's the relationship between people and a company. It's that meaningful role. It's the success, the future success of a business that, 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 that we can help build, shape and nurture. And so I think our industry is as relevant as ever. But I think we've, we've just unfortunately lost our self-confidence and all we do right now is just go back to the sausage factory and, and, and do um, shitty adverts at a lower and lower price and, 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 and leaving the excitement uh, to the world of startups, leaving uh, the business case because none of us have had the guts to actually talk about how important brands are to uh, the likes of uh, the likes of consultancies. Um, so I think we, 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 in a, we're in this uh, sort of teenage phase. We don't really know what we are. We're trying to find our ways and, and it's mm. a shame. Yeah. I, when I, um, one of the first things we spoke about your book, Good Advertising, and I referenced it was uh, published in 2012, but of course in your head and in your experience of actually writing it and basing it on case studies and, and things from the past, you, you, you rightly corrected me as it being something that, you know, in your head was a decade old and it was 2010 and maybe nowadays working in agencies, we are too often guilty of thinking that we're more modern than we are when actually we're in this kind of ongoing cycle that's been going for years of step and repeat, whether we're churning out sausages or whatever. And actually we need to wake up and look around us a bit more. Uh, you know, I completely agree. I, but, but, you know, I think, you know, by, by the end of the day, um, it's about self-confidence as an agency. I mean, 
where do you want to be in the value chain? I mean, if 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 you end up um, if if you end end up just being a production company, you know, sort of just putting out ads there, and 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 not not nurturing and and building meaningful brands, you know, what's 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 the value? Um, and 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 so, and 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 another thing is, I I think we've we've lost the battle uh, of attracting the brightest minds. Um, I think if, if you're, if you're out of business school, if you're a passionate, creative person today, you don't go into advertising. Uh, you, you want to work for a startup or you want to create your own startup or whatever, or go work for Netflix or, you know, who knows, but, but advertising just isn't as sexy anymore. And, and as, as I touched upon earlier, like in the beginning with talent, you know, I think the creative industries shouldn't be about schooling people around creativity. I think our industry needs to be much more open as it used to be when I grew up in the industry. Yeah, good answer. Um, I'm, I have a couple of listener questions for you, Thomas, if I may. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> So asking the general public for their opinion, be it on Brexit or boat names, is notoriously fraught with danger. But that's not stopped us asking. And we have two, as usual, starting with James. Now, we may feel like we've addressed this earlier on. So um, feel free to say if, if, if we've answered this. But James, who's based in Manchester, asks, was there a specific brand social purpose campaign that was a tipping point that made you believe you had got purpose wrong? <laughs> you know what it's 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 interesting because you know like naming naming a book it's 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 tough right and i ended up calling it the hero trap because <laughs> you know it, it was it was like it was almost like the opposite of good advertising and there was something exciting and putting something nice together with something you know a hero and a trap because i think what really provoked me was in fact that I just witnessed these hero traps again and again. I think there was really one example, but, but there were so many, and and there was even some some of the brands that I looked up to, like Chipotle, you know, like like Volkswagen. A lot of the case, a lot of the cases in my book turned out to be hero traps, and you know, what a shame. What a what a what a what a what a shame! What a missed opportunity that you had brands that sort of, you know, were on the wrong, right track per se, but sort of jeopardized it. Yeah, and had the opportunity to do so much good and and, and didn't did the opposite maybe. And and did fail. I mean, look at. I mean, I don't know if you watched this year's uh, Super Bowl ads. I'm I'm sure you did watch some of them. <laughs> but I mean. Looking at some of the work that Chipotle have been doing over the years, like you know, like the Ken Lions Grand Prix winner, uh, um, the the little animated, um, you know, what was called Back to the Back to the Start, beautiful piece of 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 work. I mean, I still get the chills when I watch that. And then this year, you watch the commercial, Can a Burrito Save the World? Which just a sloppy left hand lazy advertising work full of full of corporate bs you know you know so i think it was uh, the accumulative effect 
of witnessing all these uh, brands running into the hero trap. That's that's what sort of provoked me as well to 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 uh, to take a hatchet to some of my 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 earlier beliefs and and the way that I thought we should save uh, shave um, or shape um, shape uh, meaningful brands. Question two, funnily enough, question two is from Emma in, in Derby. And our copywriter, Mark, here actually had a very similar point when, uh, when we talked about Copenhagen. So uh, this is probably an easier one to answer. Well, I say that, actually, let's find out. She says, I love, I love Copenhagen, but why is it so expensive? Can you recommend a nice spot where I can get a reasonably priced beer? Oh, yeah. Copenhagen is definitely becoming more and more expensive. Uh, you know, it's it's, you know, sometimes I, I you know I, I sometimes have to, what what a privileged part of the world that we that we live in, you know, and 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 what a, and and that should come with a hell of a lot of responsibility. In fact, uh, you know, uh, but that was not the point here. I mean, where where would I go for cheap beer? You know, the the thing about Copenhagen is still, even though there's so much uh, gentrification that's been happening um, across the city and and obviously across all cities, in fact, uh, in the world at this time, you can still find your like little little bars. You know, I'll probably say that there's a place like uh, it's called Lille Örson, which is uh, a, a little a little pub where you still can go in and you can get a you can get a beer for fifteen crowns, which is probably the equivalent of one point five pounds. You know, there's still those there's still those those places around, and and it's and it's also a, a sort of you know sort of a cultural you know view into how Copenhagen life used to be with these pubs and. And blue collar workers coming after work and going in there and sitting there and you know so that's they're, they're still around. You'd have to look around, Emma. Perfect. Um, the uh, the final final part of the interview, then Thomas, is our four pertinent poses that we put to all of our guests. Starting with, what advice would you give to your younger self? I, I would I would probably uh, I would probably tell myself uh, you know be be generous. You know, share more, um, because I think when you grow up in the industry, you you have this idea that, oh, my idea is you know so original. You know, I'm I'm gonna keep it to myself, almost like Gollum and Lord of the Rings, right? You know, my precious. You know that, like 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 if I was some sort of messiah that invented something really extraordinary, and 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 I I you know, back then it was like that. Today. I just know my ideas become much better. My work becomes much better when I share it with other people, uh, when I'm generous towards other people. And so I would probably have loved to tell a younger Thomas, you know, take a chill pill. That's a lousy idea. But if you might share it with other people, it could potentially become sort of okay. I re- yeah, I really like that answer. I, I think we are episode 72 or 73 as we record this, and that's definitely not come up before. So that's a great one. Great one. Number two, if you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why? One thing, you know, advertising. <laughs> <laughs> you ban it. You, 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 you'll have to reinvent yourself, guys, you know? you know. They're already banning fast food ads and gambling and stuff. You'll have to reinvent yourself. And when you reinvent yourself, you'll focus on building brands. 
So quit fucking advertising. It's, it's hurtful for society altogether. Focus on building brands. Good stuff. Okay, number three, any books that you can recommend to our listeners? We will, of course, link to Good Advertising and The Hero Trap. Are there any others that you can recommend? Yeah, skip those other two, you know. <laughs> you, can, you, you can probably Google the main essence of it. Uh, you know, who, who got time to read anyway? Uh, you know what? Sometimes, and, and now, and it's, it's, it's a bit annoying that I can't remember the author right now, but I, but I love children books because I think children books just deal with um, the very nature of our human being and, and children just have this capacity of, of questioning, you know, everything. And, and, and there's this book, and I'll, I'll have to find the title in English, but in Danish it's called Sparrowyan, so it's really not helping you, but I'll send it over and I'll Google it. But, but, but it's really this story about a kid who keeps you know, posing questions to everything uh, he sees around him. And I think it's something you'd recognize uh, with, with, you, with your kids as well, right? And I think it's just such a valuable thing to remember throughout life. It is, in fact, to keep asking question, questions and, and, and really kind of questioning whatever is happening around us. And, and, and so for me, it's, it's still one of those, um, those books that I, that, that I love because it's, it's, it's simple and it's, it's still yet so, uh, thought provoking. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I completely echo your point there on, on kids asking questions. And in fact, uh, regular listeners to call to action can skip the next 10, 20 seconds as I retell the same story I told in the last episode, but my, um, my, my daughter, Annabelle, who is five, she, she regularly tells the sky off or no, tells the, the moon or the sun off because it's still in the sky and it's the other one's turn. <laughs> so she's leaving for school and the moon is still there and it's the sun's turn. She gets angry with the sky. But see, see, see how lovely that is, or, or, you know, like, you know, why, why, you know, why are you drinking beers? if your next day wake up and are not feeling great and i'm like yeah that's that's a fair point you know that's a that's a, that's a fair point it makes no and sense it's great no exactly and the kids haven't learned what, what how things are and 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 so they they question everything and that's what's so important isn't it and that's the thing that kind of gets numbed over time as you grow up you either become fearful of asking the obvious questions or you just you know you get used to the way things are so that's a yeah that's a great one um and, and number four then thomas is we always dedicate every episode to someone and we bestow or hospital pass that honor depending on your view to our guest who has to give the reason why so would you kindly dedicate this episode to somebody you know that's a that's 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 a that's a that's that's a really tough one you know you know what i'd, I'd actually i'd actually dedicate it to um and and sometimes i you know i'd actually dedicate it to nelson Mandela um because i think He's, he's, he's one of those lighthouses that we truly could learn something from in these extremely divided times. Um, you know, his whole idea about, you know, sort of unification and, 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 and you know, accepting differences and, and, and overcoming all these obstacles. Um, I think he would probably be the guy to post-mortem dedicate uh, this episode to. 
um, it's, you know, it's, it's, especially I think in these days with brand activism and all that's going on, you know, we, 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 we need, we need sometimes to kind of look back at some of his work and some of his words and, and, uh, and, and let them soak in. Yeah, I think that's a great dedication. Um, and I also think in light and in context of your point earlier about, well, I suppose the whole ethos of the hero trap and brands pretending or at least believing they're heroes uh, to dedicate it to Nelson Mandela, uh, you know, a real, a real actual true hero is a, is a great thing. There's, there's a quote from the hero trap that actually I didn't get to share. I'm going to share it now because I love it. And it's, it's if you asked a psychologist to evaluate most brand purpose, I guess the diagnosis would be somewhere between megalomania or delusion. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think it's time for brands to kind of sit down in that psychology chair and have a chat. Uh, and, and actually... I'd, I'd, I'd actually, you know, if 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 uh, if if my mom is listening, you know, I'd say sorry, mom and dad, obviously, that you know that, that I didn't call mention you guys, but uh, you know, Nelson Mandela, the good old Madiba, he's he's uh, he's he's also a legend. So are you? Amazing, amazing. Well, that's a great dedication. Um, as, a, as, as a final call to action then, so everyone listening, if you check out the listing of this episode, we'll have links to everything we've shared. Hopefully the children's book that you that you mentioned earlier, Thomas, if you can share that link with me, to Good Advertising, uh, to The Hero Trap and, and, and everything else that we've touched on. The little, the little pop in Copenhagen for the sake of Emma, you know? Ah, yes, yeah, yeah. Emma needs to know where this, where this relatively cheap beer is for sure. So send, send that over. There are a couple of talks of yours that we've watched here recently. We'll link to those as well. Um, but how else can people get more Thomas Colster? There's this little thing called Google, and it, and, and and you know you're just <laughs> you sort of start typing, and then <laughs> and then and then magic things pop up. It's <laughs> or or in fact go 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 with uh, go with Firefox uh, because. Uh, Firefox is um, is provided by Mozilla, which is a profit organization that does uh, a lot of great uh, work around uh, privacy and and uh, and the internet. So, Firefox it. Good stuff. Don't Google it. Firefox it. Amazing. Well, thank you, Thomas, for joining us. I've I've really enjoyed it. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Likewise, Charles, and and and, uh, and and thank you for inviting me and 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 sharing uh, sharing these uh, thoughts because I think ultimately it's important that uh, you know we we start thinking differently about leadership and stop uh, creating brands that are the heroes in our lives, but actually make people uh, the real heroes. Totally agree. Absolutely. Um, and thank you finally to everyone listening if you've enjoyed this episode please do share and review the podcast we hugely value your support keep questions and guest requests coming in to get in touch it's easy to find gasp online you can check out cta pod on instagram or just email hello at calltoaction.co Try and I try and I try.